This is Debbie Rashong, and you're listening to Without Your Hands. I'm Nasty Neal, and I'm joined by he, Todd Bruno, <laughs> Hey, she, Anelia McGinnis, Hello. Hello. it, Mike Stanley, what, what? and writer-director Lou Simon of Three. Hi, hey. thanks for having us. Thank nice you. For coming on. I really appreciate it. And uh, the movie was really cool, I just watched it um, for the second time. Which I'll get into uh, later, but it, it's uh, repeat view- viewing, I think. Uh, some movies, sometimes, you you know, if you watch it again, you pick up stuff that you didn't see before. But uh, if you can give, like, a, qu- a quick idea of what the movie's about without spoiling it uh, for people who aren't aware yet. Okay, it's about a man and a woman who kidnap her alleged rapist in order to extract his confession, put it on tape, um, and... You know they're willing to do a lot to get this this um, confession, but there's questions of whether or not he actually did commit the crime, the the rape. Mm-hmm. Which I think is really interesting because um, you know it's kind of a topical thing, uh, rape and and accusations, and someone kind of uh, guilty until proven innocent. And so to uh, to talk about that in a movie, I think is is interesting. Especially to take, uh, well, like you said, leave it up to your magic. And I don't, I don't want to spoil the movie, but you don't know if he's guilty or not for quite a while. Yes. Well, I think the interesting part of this, this is in yellow, in the back over here. Um, the interesting part of that was when Lou wrote this film and we shot it, none of this Me Too was out there. And um, this was very edgy and like it was mm-hmm. on us. And now it's amazing that this film is out um, we, we, we go um, to VOD tomorrow, and it is the perfect timing to really have this film and this topic done in the, in the way that Lou has, has written it and directed it. Um, I think it really allows people to be, to be put into somebody else's shoes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're trendsetters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. It was definitely not being talked about at all. No, but we shot it. We definitely didn't make it and say, "Wow, we're we're talking about such a you know." Yeah, we're cutting edge. None of that. Yeah, we're talking about something you know that everybody's talking about. Then all of a sudden, the year after we filmed, that's all people talked about. It was like, oh wow, here we thought we were going to be like opening people's eyes, and it happened. You know, which which I'm okay with. Yeah, but but it was funny how it it just everything changed within you know, a few months of us shooting the film. Right? We kicked off the Me Too movement. <laughs> <laughs> they won't report it, but that was us. 
<laughs> right, right. It's, it's really weird. I interviewed Richard Stanley a few years ago. Actually, it was about six months before stuff came out with Harvey, Harvey Weinstein. And he yeah. talked all about it and explained and, and then, like, a few months later, it all came out. And I was like, oh, my God. He, he said all this right on, right on the podcast. It was very weird. Wow. <laughs> so uh, how did you guys all get involved? Did you, uh, do you all know each other before the movie? Mm, mm, that's, a, that's a question. Yeah, that's a deep question. So uh, I, I first met Lou um, uh, shooting a film called Hazmat. That, the wall. Uh, is yeah, up on the wall a, here. Right there. Yeah, that's also where I met Aniela. Um, uh, so this is our second film working together, right? Mm-hmm. No, third. Third. We were on another one that was not a loop. Yes, true. That's true. Yeah. So Aniela and I have worked before. Lou and I met uh, on Hazmat, um, and uh, this is so. This is our second film together. Uh, Mike, I still don't know Mike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they, they did. I just showed up. They, uh, they didn't even tell me about this. <laughs> You're just, you were CGI'd in like Jabba. And, and the, yeah, yeah, I'm CGI'd right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, like we had all we had all worked together mm-hmm. and we're friends. We said, I mean, I like to think we're yes. friends, and then I just not being nice to me because I keep casting them. <laughs> uh, and then the only role that remained then was was uh, Mike's role, and and I, I have to admit that I was like a little worried about how he was gonna fit because even the crew were people we had always worked with before, so we all knew each other, and it's like, you know, you're gonna have an outsider come in and he's gonna feel really awkward, but he fit right in. Um, I love everybody. I, just, I love everybody. That's what it is. He fit right in. He was so easy to work with, and he was so ready, and he got the character, and it was like it was like we had known him forever by the yeah. time that we started. And we literally met him the day the day we started. We started like yeah. there were no rehearsals or anything. Yeah. So yeah. other than than talking to him on the phone, which we didn't even do that much of, no. it was mostly emails. Yeah, and, and yet it worked out. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, and that's a that's a, fantastic. Sorry, you were gonna say that? No, I was just saying it was fantastic. That was great. I was gonna say how big a deal that is because aside from fitting in with all of us who kind of knew each other, the crew and the cast, a lot of us had worked with each other before, and this was our first time meeting Mike. Um, aside from fitting in with us personality-wise, um, the shooting schedule was such that there were some days we had. There was one day we had to shoot thirteen pages. That's right, we did thirteen pages of dialogue, and there are not many actors. Yeah. Uh, that can memorize 13 pages yeah. of dialogue yeah. to shoot in one day. It was, um, to, uh, to Todd's point, it was uh, what before, so when Lou had me audition for the role and she gave, me, she gave me two auditions and I went through and once I knew I was doing the movie, uh, I, I come from a theater background. So I, I really went back to some roots on, on that. I. You know, I went through, I studied it, I hung out with a lot of my theater friends and talked to them about, hey, I, I haven't done stage in a number of years, but I feel that this is stage-like, if that makes any sense. It, it almost plays out. We actually had a reviewer that said that, about mm-hmm. talking about how three felt like a stage play. and uh, But I really liked that. So that was kind of the mindset that I went went into uh, with the role of It. And um, oh, we had, oh, it was about two weeks before we started. And I really... I really dove into it. I just read it and read it and worked on it. And so, but like Todd said, um, we had days where we had a lot of dialogue and we would 
take that time, work through it. And we maybe one or two times, maybe we would trip over a line or two, but for the most part, we were just, we were on, uh, we, we were in sync. We, we, we really worked well with each other. It was, it was a fantastic experience. Mm-hmm. And it is a dialogue heavy uh, film and there's essentially three roles in it. So, you know, you have to have three people that work well together. And because uh, if you had one person, it would be one third of the movie that doesn't work. So what was it about Mike that uh, that you thought felt was right for it? You know, it's interesting. Um, <laughs> I, uh, well, I got to get naked. No. Uh, uh, Are you asking me why, why I cast Yeah. Right. Oh. Well, I'll ask you, and then I'll ask Mike. What you Let's forget about the naked part. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, we never do. Um, you know, I, I honestly, I thought, when his, when he did his audition, and it was flawless. But I actually saw his resume, and he was 6'5". And Todd is not. I was. I'm not now. No. <laughs> Todd is not. And I thought, how the hell am I going to be able to carry that up? Right. And and I think it works. Like, nobody's mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, anything. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, there's quite a bit of a height difference. And, and it was like, okay, well, we have to somehow believably have him be the, the, the shorter guy, be the one that kidnapped the much taller guy. But it seems to work. Nobody said anything Nobody about has it. said anything. And um, I run into that with casting all the time. Yeah. But I want to say, would you just watch three? It works. You know? <laughs> that, was, that was the only thing that I was worried about. That was the only reason he didn't get cast. Because everything else, I was like, I know he's perfect, but yeah. how are we going to do this? And, and then, and it was actually Todd who, who championed the eventual you know, we'll make it work. You can do it. Mm-hmm. You can do it. You can you can do it. You can make it work with them. Like, yeah. oh, okay, sure. And, and you know, credit to Bill, the DP on the yeah. film. He, mm-hmm. you know, he he was able to frame it up in your direction. And I mean, it just it works. It works. Bill's the one who made it work. My suggestion was I just walk around with a ladder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a step ladder would work. Yeah, it's fine. It doesn't mean like a six foot ladder. Yeah. So, uh, what interested uh, you got uh, Anelia and, and Todd in the movie? Hmm. Well, um, I don't even know if you could say what interested me in it. Lou wrote it mm-hmm. uh, with me in mind for oh, wow. the character. Um, this is my third film with Lou, and I was supposed to do All Girls Weekend, but. Um, right when we were getting closer to shooting, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And um, so I couldn't be tortured in the woods by Lou in the middle of chemo. Um, even though she really wanted to. And we discussed it. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I might die. Like, I might actually die. That's actually so not true. It was a complete opposite. I was saying, okay, you really need to take care of yourself now. We'll do something better. She's like, no, I think I can do it. No, I know you can't. You have to go. And then I was Originally, she wasn't supposed to have chemo. No, yeah, it was just a surgery, and you wanted to do it right after the surgery. And I'm like, that's crazy. But then once, once they told you chemotherapy, that they that you had to do chemo, that's when you're like, okay, maybe you're right. Yeah, I think snow during that movie. I probably would not be here today if I had done that movie. Um, And not like I wouldn't have been in this film. I mean, I would have been dead. Mm -hmm. But part of the reason why I wrote this because she wouldn't take no for an answer. She was so adamant she could do it. I was like, look, I'll write a part for you. Just shut up and you go take care of yourself. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's why I ended up fulfilling my promise and I wrote um, the part of, of she for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about 
the names themselves, uh, she, he, and it. Uh, when did you decide that's uh, how you would name the characters? You know, it started with the fact that the the guy who was kidnapped, you know, there, there's a lot of dialogue and there's a lot about how do you um, make, make it so you are desensitized or whatever uh, so that you can actually torture somebody so you can't make them human so you have to um see them as as an it Mm -hmm. so there's quite a bit of dialogue about that you know call him it don't don't say him you know like it it did you know um and then once so i never was gonna give the person who's kidnapped a name and then once i did that then it was like what do I call the guy and girl? And they do eventually get names. Very, mm-hmm. at the very end, they do call each other by names. But it's it's kind of I hate it in movies when like you have two people talking and they constantly say each other's names. Uh-huh. You don't do that in real life. You don't like go yeah. like, "Hi Neil, how are you, Neil?" So it's like uh-huh. only talking to each other and they're never going to introduce themselves to somebody else. Mm-hmm. How would you ever say their names? So it was just it was just one of those things that um, that it just seemed like fitting for that. Yeah. And I think it can uh, be you could take that meaning in different ways. Uh, like you said, uh, dehuman dehumanizing him if you're going to torture him, and also the idea if he did you know uh, rape someone you you know he's not a person he's an it you know he's like a subhuman. So I think you could take it uh, a couple different ways, which is yeah. interesting. Yeah, for me, actually, it's interesting you say that because uh, naming the characters he, she, and it, uh, if you look at it, you can look at it from the complete opposite point of view that these people could be, they could be anyone. Mm-hmm. They could be you, they could be me, they could be your neighbor. This kind of thing can happen to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so naming them with generic pronouns kind of, in in a sense, it, it, I think maybe a callback to the, the Greek tragedies where there's the everyman character. Because mm-hmm. yeah, I think most people, if they would hear like a rapist or a child molester uh, got tortured, you, people would be like, well, they deserve anything that happens to them. So, mm-hmm. you know, you could see someone, a normal person doing this or, or being okay with it. But then uh, as the movie progresses, it does, I think, makes you ask yourself as a person, is that the right thing to do? Because unless you know for sure that uh, that they've done this, and even then, I mean, I I I, I don't know. Um, sure, sure. Even even if the person did do it, well, you know, and I, but that question I've been asked on many other movies that I saw that were similar in tone, like Seven Days or um, a couple more like that, where 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 it is. Well, if he did do it, you know, can you does exacting justice like that? Does that right. okay? Um, mm-hmm. so there's a little bit about that, but mostly it's more about you know you could be wrong. Mm-hmm. So uh, where did you film the movie? Whose basement? <laughs> <laughs> he never knew we were there. <laughs> it was a house in in uh, Chattanooga. Um, he was the uncle of a friend. He had met, my friend had mentioned it to me years before. He's like, I have a friend, I have an uncle who has his house in that new guy. You have to film something that is so weird and freaky. 
Uh, not the time I thought, yeah, right. Um, and then when we couldn't find a house that really fit everything that we needed anywhere else, or at least nowhere else that was affordable, um, we said, well, let's take a trip up there. And we saw it, and it was better than we could have ever imagined. Um, and had we had it to ourselves, it would have been perfect. The problem is that we had we had rented it for a whole month, and somehow when we showed up, there were people there. So we had to shoot around five different tenants that were staying at the house. <laughs> uh, any any uh, interesting stories about that? Anyone uh, <laughs> walking in there? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Who wants to go first? That's the, that's the question. Oh my goodness! Who wants to start? Who's to start? You want to start? No, I, I'm just going to see that. Um, I wasn't there when they started, but I've heard stories about how there was a, like a pool party going on, and people were like taking the craft services. So if you guys want to take up any of that, and the fact that there was a pool party, no, look at the pool. In the, <laughs> It's just, it's green. It's, uh -huh. that's all it is. So the fact they're even having a party by the pool is, anyway. The Chattanooga pool party. It was a Chattanooga pool party. We had, we had, we had people, the first day they were, because they told their friends we were shooting. So of course more people came and there were already five people staying there. Um, and then, so it was dealing with a noise. They were walking and then we had a lot of equipment and they're walking and we're busy, you know, filming in a in a basement so we literally had to put a guy up front to guard our stuff to make sure nobody walked off with it um they i walk in at break and they're eating our food um they constant noise and screaming um the tv upstairs not, not me and todd <laughs> right no like that would have you know nothing because you know the whole thing is they're supposed to be in this place in this house in the middle of nowhere and you know you have all this background noise Oh, uh, they flushed the toilet. You could hear on sound. The TV. People walking TV. Mm -hmm. You know everything, and it was, it was a nightmare. The first couple of days have to be one of the hardest things I've ever done. Remembering to cut off the air conditioning because it was like ninety-eight degrees, and of course, <laughs> like our rolling, let's turn the air conditioning on. You know, you had to remember things like that too. Well, but on top of it, I think also just a, a random story is the owner of the house um, decided to make us fried green tomatoes. <laughs> middle of shooting it was very kind of him but the sound guy we're in the middle of this very serious scene and he's like what's that sound like he's picking it up on the mic and it's like crying tomatoes we're like no like there was like it was sweet of him but no every sound could be picked up uh, which yeah. was incredible. It was. Yeah. We have really good uh, video of the back, because the, they had like kind of like a, an in-law quarter, and and we have great <laughs> video of the of the person who lived there coming on just telling us off because we kept cutting off, like we kept telling her she had to please turn off the TV because <laughs> we were capturing it on sound, and, <laughs> and she was like, I'm a tenant here and I have rights. <laughs> My favorite location story, though, my favorite location story is all those living rooms, like the, 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 I don't know, what do we call that room? The, the sunroom? Sun the yeah. sunroom scene with the sofa, he and she on the sofa, all those scenes. Um, that room 
But when we first scouted the location, the homeowner said, this floor will be finished. There was no floor. It just went straight into the basement, an unfinished basement that looked like a cavern. All those scenes, when you see Mike walking through this, like, a cavern, it looks like dirt. a cave. Dirt. Yeah, dirt. That was the real basement of the house. That's it, yeah. And this room, there was no floor, and you could just see it, you drop straight down into this cavernous basement. The homeowner promised us the floor will be finished. We arrive on set to actually shoot, and act, of course, the floor, there's no floor. There's no floor. <laughs> so all of those scenes on the sofa, were sh- what you don't see beneath the frame is that there is no floor. There are, <laughs> there are the rafters and then plywood that we put the sofa on. And then we have, balance it. Balance, balance the sofa, the sofa on. on. We have two by eights running from the house to the sofa, a couple of them, so that we can each get to the sofa. But they're, they're eight inches wide. So we take one step to the left or the right, and there's a 20-foot drop into the basement. <laughs> Better was that so in that scene, Todd has to come running in, like storming in. Well, every time he'd walk, everything would bounce yeah. and fall <laughs> camera. And so he's had to like storm in, but with like gentle ballerina <laughs> uh, to not shake the camera guys and the monitors and everything, or just not to die. Yeah. Um, it was it was a rot like it was It'll add it to the tension, say the least. So just like most studio films. <laughs> say what it's, yeah. And we all have our Cirque du Soleil cards. Right. We all. Uh, so I learned I'll how to a lot, I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so how, t- how tired did your arms get, Mike? Uh, being, being uh, it's actually, by, by, I, by day four or five, I, I could lift a Volkswagen, let me tell you. <laughs> Uh, it, it wasn't actually wasn't as bad as it seemed, but um, laying on the table, it was actually very uh, that, that did a lot of work. Um, but, you know, you go, you do it and it's uh, I, I, I slept a lot once we wrapped. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, what about what is that like to film uh, torture scenes? So what kind of mindset do you get into for, for that? Um, and Mike. What's what's funny is uh, this isn't the the first time I've been tied up to a table. Uh, in a movie. Well, I mean, in a movie, right. but in a movie, yeah. I mean, I, do, I generally pay for it on Tuesdays, but that's a completely different story. Uh-huh. Uh, no, I uh, actually how uh, Lou and I first came into contact. So a mutual friend of ours, Chris Etheridge, he uh, directed a film that I was in called Attack of the Morningside Monster. And in that film, I'm actually toward the end. I'm actually tied up on a table, very similar. So the joke is, it's like, that's my thing. I'm the guy that's tied up on the table, you know, at the end of a movie. Uh, so this is old hat for me. Um, so, uh, uh, well, how about you? But, You're the one who did the, yeah. the torture. So, I mean, I've done it. To answer your question, how do you get in that mindset? I've done it before, and it's just basically you have to go with loose script. I just had to see where's the character at that point, and, um, you know, you just, just go from there. She either says... Great, that's an excellent take, or that really sucked. We're going to shoot that again, and thankfully we got it. So, yeah. So, how about Todd for the the mind of the torturer? Yeah. Uh, so that was uh, that was difficult. That was really difficult. Um, I won't lie to you. One of the things that uh, 
attracted me to the script in the first place when Lou sent it to me was um, I read it and I read this character and my first thought was, oh my God, I wonder if I can even do that. Because um, it was such a, it's such a complex character. Um, and the torture scenes are just a part of it. And uh, I mean, the, the torture scene, it's just a matter of mindset. Everything with an actor is a matter of mindset. If you set your mind up right, make yourself believe that these circumstances are real, you can do just about anything. You, I, I mean, we're, 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 there's a theory about acting, about, about character, that there's no such thing. I mean, David Mamet says there's no such thing as, as character. Um, it's just, we are what we do. And no matter which of us you choose, you set up the right circumstances and we are all capable of anything. Um, so that's sort of where I came at this from. I set up this, uh, I would read the scene and say, okay, this is what I have to do in this scene. Now, what, uh, under what circumstances would I do this? And then I set those circumstances up in my mind, tried to make myself believe it, and then uh, wait for Lou to say action and see what happens. Um, and it was a lot of them. I mean, it was fun. It was core. Of course, when you have a core group like this, and we all very quickly, I mean, Aniela and I knew each other from before, and Mike and I like instantly kind of hit it off. So uh, it helps when we make each other laugh in between yeah, takes, too. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. yeah, you have to. Yeah. When you're uh, comfortable with each other, you sort of, you have the, the freedom to fuck up and not worry about it. True. Yeah. Uh, uh, Lou, uh, is the is the story inspired by anything? Um, not really. Um, I mean, I, I did, I did do, do some reading on on a specific case, but I can't really talk about it without giving away the twist. The, the twist. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't really say it was one specific, um, like historical, um story or anything like that. Mm-hmm. No, I unfortunately today we are doing our press junket, so we're actually hitting our time where I know we have to get to oh, okay. sure. um, which is what, the only reason Lou was looking down at her phone is because we are on a tight oh. schedule. We're enjoying this interview so thoroughly. I thought she got a Snapchat. I didn't know. I just, <laughs> um, you know. But I know we're going to have to go. All right. I thought maybe she had an auction on eBay that was about to go off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I appreciate both, uh, all four of you coming on, and I really dug the movie, and it comes out tomorrow on Video on Demand. Uh, three, I believe they added eye, an eye for an eye to uh, yes. the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And thank you for watching it twice, you said. Yes, you yeah. watched it twice. We didn't get to talk about that. That's which is great. Which needs to happen. You have to watch it twice. Once you turn out right. the twist, you want to go and right. see where the, the hints are. And because you know, all of the clues are in there. You yeah. have to watch it again, yeah. and you'll see the clues. Yeah. Yes. So yes. thank you so very much. Genuinely appreciate it. I know we're Lou's setting us up for our next interview. All right. All right. Thank Thanks, everybody. We'll talk, I'll talk to you all again. Bye. Thank you. Thanks so Bye. much. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you very much. I'm Graham Vershare from Summer of 84, and you're listening to Without Your Head. Yeah.